0: Warning this episode contains spoilers, coarse language and
1: Well, my suggestion for the uh spoilers this episode contains spoilers, harsh language and no mini golf and sushi.
0: <laughs> <laughs> mini golf and sushi. I hate remakes.
2: I love remakes. Welcome everybody to part two of the latest episode of I Hate Love Remakes. I am Noel, joining me as always is Evie.
0: I thought it was really poetic, the way the killer cut off his own arms to finish the mountain, but then there was no way to get them to the top.
2: The what? <laughs> I'm not explaining that reference. Okay, I'll let people make of it what they will. <laughs> joining us again is JD. Hi folks. Hi folks. Oh, one thing I forgot to mention is following Fright Night there was actually like an eighteen issue comic book series. Oh,
1: I think I've heard of it. I've not never read anything from it.
2: It was pretty much The Further Adventures of Charlie and Peter Vincent. I haven't read it, but it, I I know that it had a lot of fans back in the day. Huh. It's unfortunately very expensive to track down, so I haven't read it yet. Just thought I'd mention that old comic one.
1: I am intrigued and I would actually wouldn't. Yeah, mind shouldn't
2: it you have known that being the comic guy? I,
1: I said I knew about it, so there.
2: Oh, here's this thing I've never heard of. Oh, yeah, I knew about that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So anyways, JD, now that we're on to part two, what in general is your feeling when it comes to remakes?
1: I actually kind of like them. In theory, I like seeing familiar things retooled in a way that... Either maybe highlights things that either couldn't be done because of the effects just weren't there at the time or whatever or just maybe kind of gives the story a little bit more depth because there's a lot of really great movies out there in concept that just maybe didn't have that perfect execution and I kind of like the idea of revisiting them and maybe giving it a treatment that it deserves.
2: Or even a treatment that's different.
1: Or different, yeah. Sometimes I wouldn't mind seeing... In fact, I think if you're going to do a remake, you should be doing something different with it. Otherwise, there's not a lot of point. But I have nothing wrong with the idea of remakes, though I think a lot of them are formulaic. But I have no problem with the idea of revisiting a movie.
2: Prove the idea, just not always the execution. Oh, yeah. Welcome to the club.
1: Hooray! Do I get a prize? You get a sticker.
0: Yay! he gets a sticker, I don't get a sticker. You don't like
2: remakes. You're the one who makes the stickers, so give him a sticker.
0: Screw you. If I'm the one who has to make the stickers, I'm keeping them all for myself. And sticking them to my shoes, and on my pants, and other parts.
2: Alright, so JD, follow her around. One of the stickers is bound to fall off. Sooner or later, it's yours. Sweet. <laughs> I've
1: just been given permission to stalk you.
0: Eh, yeah, fair enough. I'm really boring. So, you're gonna be like, oh my god, do something interesting. <laughs> She's so boring! <laughs> I just want you to like tweet your stalking me like, no, seriously. She's just been staring at this one wall of books mm-hmm. for like Howard. i just i want to kill her so much why why it just becomes like this demented like you hate me so much because i don't do anything it'll be great
2: sounds like a plan <laughs> so evie what movie are we covering today
0: i don't know um fright night from 2011 i don't know why i thought that was funny but it did so there yes, we are
2: fright night from 2011 directed by craig gillespie who, I don't know who he is. Who is mostly known for having done Mr. Woodcock and Lars and the Real Girl, neither oh, of which I've oh, seen. That
0: fucking asshole.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I know people liked one and hated the other, but I haven't seen either one.
1: I oh. saw Lars and the Real Girl not too long ago, mainly because it was the one film from him other than this film that I'd actually heard of. So I was kind of curious mm-hmm. and it's okay. It's nothing special, but it's kind of interesting.
0: I think the majority of that movie is carried by the actors, as opposed to the idea of the movie itself. Yeah, yeah, I'm like the actors are doing all the heavy lifting because the movie's given them nothing. And Mr. Woodcock is, oh dear lord, um, I'd rather be punched in the tit for three hours straight than watch that movie again. I would rather so <laughs> you like listen. I would rather listen to new metal for hours on end than watch that again. I'd rather pluck out all the nose hair in my nose with tiny, tiny tweezers than have to watch that. So, yeah, I've really enjoyed it.
2: And he was also one of the primary directors on United States of Terror, which is why Tony Collette's in this movie. Ah. And the film was written by Marty Noxon, who's probably best known for having worked on Buffy and a whole bunch of other shows that aren't as good as Buffy. (laughs) Like Glee and Grey's Anatomy. I've lost the will to live. And Private Practice and Brothers and Sisters oh and Prison God. Break. Yeah, that was good for one season. The only other thing that I really liked from her, there was a series called Point Pleasant, which only lasted one season. And it was it was a paranormal teen romance where the lead girl is the Antichrist. And I yeah. liked it. It wasn't great, but I found it kind of charming in a nice melodramatic, supernatural, dark shadows type of way.
1: I actually listened to an interview with her actually today, uh, oddly enough, where she was talking about that and it was one of those things, you know, she was kind of the showrunner of that, and I, mm-hmm. but the studio said, we'll put in a whole bunch of Melrose Place extras as neighbors and so it kind of got like a little bit more of a soap opera. It moment. got a
2: little soapy, but I didn't mind that.
1: Apparently she was talking about how near to the end, after it was guaranteed that it wasn't coming back for a second season, they just started doing their own thing and it, they thought it felt like a lot better. Yeah, I haven't seen it myself, but I'm kind of curious now.
2: I mean, she gets a ton of credit for having worked on Buffy, but nothing else she's done has quite been Buffy.
1: Well, she also gets a lot of flack because around the time that she became co-showrunner was about the time that...
2: Wasn't, wasn't it one of the Spike lesser decided seasons? decided he was going to show his love for Buffy by trying to rape her. Yeah. And then I know she also worked on the script for I Am Number Four. Oh my god, perfect. I watched that movie.
1: <laughs> I've actually not seen it, so I can't judge.
2: Despite that, I actually like her writing in this movie, but we'll get to that. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah.
2: So, those are the people who made it. Let's move on to the synopsis. Insert synopsis.
1: Wow, that even <laughs> topped the last one, Noel. How do you do that?
2: Oh, because this time I inserted. Oh, well,
1: don't pull out. Too quickly. Why did I say that?
0: <laughs> I don't know. I just spent too much time with Noel. I'm like, yeah, whatever. It's all fine.
2: It's all you're, <laughs> n- you're now breakproof. Charlie Brewster used to be a geek, running around with his friends, including Evil Ed, and making backyard movies. Now Charlie's got a girlfriend, Amy, and is hanging out with the jocks who still pick on the old buddies he's distancing himself from. Evil Ed confronts Charlie, telling him the rash of disappearances in their isolated Las Vegas suburb are the result of Jerry Dandridge, Charlie's new neighbor, whom Evil Ed believes is a vampire. When Ed himself goes missing, Charlie starts to look into Jerry, even breaking into his house at one point and finding a missing neighbor locked in an upstairs room who has bites on her neck and explodes into ash when she hits the sun. Charlie seeks help from Peter Vincent, a rock star illusionist who claims to be an expert on vampires and the occult. Peter doesn't take him seriously, but when he sees a plaque Charlie sketched from Jerry's home, he becomes outright terrified and kicks the boy out. That night, Jerry comes to visit, first trying to charm his way into the home, then ripping up the gas line and setting the whole house on fire. Charlie, his mother, and Amy try racing away, but on the lonely highway between their town and the big city, Jerry catches up with them, leaving Charlie's mother unconscious and hospitalized. The next night, Charlie and Amy visit Peter, who's hurriedly packing up to get out of town. Jerry shows up with a vampirized evil Ed. Charlie manages to kill Ed, but Jerry makes off with Amy. Peter initially refuses to help beyond giving Charlie a blessed stake which cures any brood of the vampire it slays, but then he returns to join the boy as they enter Jerry's home the next day. While here, we learn two things. One, Jerry killed Peter's parents years ago, which started the illusionist obsession with vampires, and two, Jerry hasn't been killing all of the missing neighbors. He's instead been converting them all to a mini-army he's planning to spread across the world. Our heroes fight through these forces with shotguns, stakes, holes in the ceiling which let in sunlight, and Charlie revealing he's gotten a stun suit that lets him set himself on fire. Jerry is eventually staked, curing most of the brood of their vampirism, and Charlie and Amy have sex in Peter Vincent's penthouse suite. Evie, do you recommend this movie?
0: I want to go last. <laughs> Am I tipping my hand too much?
2: You want <laughs> to yeah, no, go last? You can go last if you want. No, I can go first. Okay.
0: Okay. Here's the thing with the original Fright Night. It's kind of one of those imperfect movies that has the really great possibility of a remake. Like, there is so much more that you could do with that movie. There's so many places you can take it. There is a lot of interesting things you can do. And they got a really, really great cast for this movie. But holy balls, Just this... I'm putting this on the script, seriously. I wanted to like this movie. I want to enjoy this movie, but this movie thinks it's bland. Things happen, and it's like, oh, okay, that's cool. But what does that mean for the story? Nothing. It means nothing for the story. It's just a thing that is cool. That's literally my train of thought during the entire movie. It was like, oh, that's a funny thing to say. But what does that mean for the... No, it's just a funny thing to say. Pews? The fucking shoes. My God, they kept going on. And Ginger? I love Ginger, but what was the point of Ginger? nothing there was no point to ginger she's just in the movie because it's fun and also i know people get on return of the king for ending like seven different times but they were doing an epilogue this movie has like four different climaxes and i'm like oh so no we're not so we're um no so no oh okay finally we're gonna do the thing with the stop okay thank you so no i don't recommend it because it just This is one of those ones where I wish they had gotten someone like Alan Ball to just overhaul this movie because this is somewhere between like American Beauty and True Blood and just gotten someone to completely overhaul it because this script is sort of like a really great third draft that needs two more to fix the problems that it has and then you can make a movie out of it. But right now what I'm watching is someone who made a movie out of a third draft that needed at least two more polishes. So, no, I don't recommend it. But I do like Sandra Vergara as Ginger, despite the fact that she is completely pointless. I enjoy her, and she is Sophia Vergara's sister. And I think Sophia Vergara is hot. Okay. You're welcome
2: for that tidbit. JD, do you recommend this movie?
1: Yeah, I do, actually. I think it actually is uh, a very thoughtful screenplay, and I'm sure Evie will be going at me with teeth and fangs shortly. But you and me both. I think and <laughs> Knoxon put a lot of thought into the original film and thought, what were the flaws, and what you know where could they strengthen and put more characterization in and maybe make certain characters a little bit more likable, or maybe there are some flaws. I will not deny that, kind of as much as I love David Tennant, and that's one of the main reasons I wanted to do this episode was because I love David Tennant so much I'm a big Doctor Who nerd but his Peter Vincent doesn't quite work as a character as much as Roddy McDowell's but I kind of like that it's something where you could obviously tell that she's put a lot of thought into, like trying to find the areas that needed a little bit more support and she I think fixes a lot of those problems that I you know are kind of goofy things that you might have just been willing to give a pass but still you know you notice in the original and so I recommend this film yes
2: I also recommend this film Aside from two significant narrative issues, I really like the writing of this film. I really like the way it it approached the material, that it found little new ways to explore it while also staying true to it. I like the dialogue. I like the little funny random moments that don't have anything to do with anything, but they don't need to have anything to do with anything. I love the cast. I absolutely love the cast. I love the characters. And I mostly like the direction. I like the way a lot of the scenes are constructed, with the exception of whoever was the lighter. Because I remember one of the big problems was when this movie came out in 3D, people couldn't even see what was going on. I went and saw it in 2D. I could hardly see what was going on. I figured, well, maybe they'll, you know, fix it when I get it home. There's still scenes where it's so damn dim and washed out that I can tell what's going on, but it's just, it's so flat. It it makes everything so boring to look at. And when you have a movie that primarily takes place during the night, that's a problem.
1: Yeah, there's parts that really kind of look almost blurry, to be honest, because of the 3D. At least I think it's because of the 3D effects. Even when you're watching it in 2D at home, it seems oh, like no. it's...
2: I went and saw a 2D in the theater, and even watching it at home, it's just so dim. I, I saw didn't...
0: it in 3D, because they didn't have a 2D showing. In yeah, mig- I,
2: remember, I remember you talking about your migraine. Let's go ahead and move into open discussion.
1: Yeah, Okay.
0: And up with migraine seeing that movie.
1: I saw it in 3D as well. I don't normally go see movies in 3D, but it was one of those things where I got to the theater and I had misread the show times, and I didn't realize I was going to a 3D showing. And I was like, well, I can either sit here for 45 minutes and wait for the 2D or I can just go in now. And I was like, I didn't want to wait. So I have to admit, it's not bad as far as the 3D effects go. But yeah, I do think it caused some problems as far as just there's things that are like the opening text uh, that say Fright Night and stuff like that are really hard to read, especially in the 2D.
2: Yeah, and it's one of those ones where it's not nearly as bad as *My Bloody Valentine* three D was, but it still has moments of let's just throw things at the camera for the three D effect. Yeah, there's a yeah. There's Noel a few had to convince no me that they filmed it in three D because I didn't believe them. Yeah, this was one yeah. of the few that they filmed in three D instead of it being yeah. a conversion. And I yeah. didn't believe them. I was like, no, they didn't. It's there's so some,
1: stupid. They did. There's some moments where I think three D actually worked pretty well, like some of the embers near the end when you get like vampires being dusted. You kind of get some embers and stuff like that
2: i wish that i had seen it in 3d because I, I wanted to see what that whole car chase sequence where they uh, they really wrap the camera around the car in weird ways in almost a continuous shot and have things come at you in 3d i would have been interested to see how that would have worked
1: boring i yeah it, that actually it wasn't
2: interesting at all it didn't because it no, looks neat no. and 2d i like it
1: it's one of those things where i think they kind of felt like they needed to justify using a 3d technology and i think some of the things like when they throw the bike Seemed really calm. There's really
0: some cool. of them where they're literally throwing shit at the camera. Like, there's the paint that well, I remember
2: there was the bit where Ed had to break into the house and he throws a rock through the window. Let's have the shot of the rock coming towards the camera.
0: Why? Yeah. <laughs> or there's when the go-go dancer bursts into flame and then there's, like, blood flying at the camera. Or that one
2: would be a nice shot, though, for 3D. It
0: really wasn't impressive. I'm like, yeah, you're throwing shit at the camera. Or when Jerry bites the guy who is Chris Sarandon, whose initials are JD in the movie. I like <clears> that but he bites him and then there's these spurts of blood and then there's this one final spurt that comes right at the camera and I'm like, I see what you did there. (laughs) Yeah. I hated that I had to see this in 3D because my theater did not have a 2D showing
2: at all. And it's interesting that I'm the guy who likes 3D and typically sees everything in 3D and I only caught it in 2D because I came in late and by that time I managed to catch it, there wasn't a 3D version showing. I only had 3D. I couldn't even see it in 2D, so I had to have a migraine. It's awesome. (laughs) But again... I still can't imagine watching a lot of those night scenes in 3D because they're just so oh. damn dim.
0: There was so much of it, me like literally leaning forward like an old woman looking up there going like, I'm 28, I should not be squinting at the damn screen.
2: I mean, like even just that bit where Charlie and Ed are just going around the abandoned house. It's like, oh, yeah. how yeah. could you not stick some light? Even the old fashioned day for night would be preferable to having things that fucking dim. Just yeah. one night, like, come on, just one, one.
0: No, okay. Just
2: give a little bright blue there, you know? <laughs>
0: Have some moonlight, anything. Just, my God.
2: Yeah. As for the movie itself, as I said, I only had two narrative things. And the the first main one is the first 20 minutes. I think this film is kind of clumsy come out of the gate. That's mainly because of Disturbia. This is the same company and the same people who produced Disturbia, which came out a few years earlier. And that pretty much did the entire, at least the first half of Fright Night and even parts of the second half, almost scene by scene. Of, you know, the guy suspects the mm-hmm. neighbor, sees him putting things in the truck, thinks he's a killer, sees the guy with a the woman, then he ends up killing the woman, you know, starts watching his neighbor more and more and picking fights with him. Then the mom invites the neighbor over. There's even bits like, you know, the friend. During an attempt to prove whether or not the guy is a killer, the friend supposedly goes missing and then comes back. Even he has the hidden room in the basement. Disturbia went and knocked off Fright Night so hard that the fact that the Fright Knight remake was made by the same people, they somehow backed away from wanting to cover all the same territory. So they're like, how can we restructure and replay around with a lot of the introduction and setup? And so they did this odd thing of having it be that Evil Ed kind of went and did all this stuff off camera and already knows he's a vampire. See, I like that. Yeah. My problem is, I wish they had played that up more and almost make Evil Ed a faux protagonist, a faux lead. Play him up as, you know, he's the lead character, we're following it from his story, and then it goes badly for him, and then we cut to Charlie.
0: Maybe if they had cast someone who wasn't, um, I can't pronounce his name. I don't have a
2: problem with him.
0: No, but even look at when they did the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. I'm like, they have a really pretty girl as Chris.
2: Well, yeah, they got Katie Cassidy, who can actually act, too.
0: And is really hot. That helps. But no, it, the thing is, if you have someone as your fake-out, they still have to be attractive.
2: He's I not see how it, he's any less attractive than the guy playing Anthony Charlie. Anton
0: Yelchin? Yeah, no, he, he okay. he's not.
2: That's no...
1: Christopher yeah. Mintz-Plast, basically. He plays nerds and I know and Anton Yelton is kind of playing a sort of nerdy character, but he, he's playing he's the supposed, hipster nerd. Yeah. He's the cool nerd, I guess.
2: Here's my problem is I don't have a problem with evil Ed being the one who first discovers that Jerry's a vampire and starts getting onto it. My problem is that so much of it is done off screen.
0: This feels almost like Hollywood meddling or like, you know, you know,
2: it's like, you know, we have the whole thing with Charlie and his neighbor and then suddenly Ed shows up and, by the way, your next door neighbor is a vampire and I've been following him for days. It's like, okay, where did that come from? Well, Ed's kind of a weirdo. So that still doesn't narratively justify it.
0: It does later when you have him doing those like weird ass movies that they used to make in the backyard.
2: Yeah, but I would rather see that discovery happen over time instead of hear about it and then discover it after the fact. It's just, Yeah, it,
1: it's a bit weird. Mean, yeah.
2: It feels like they're running away from the setup that had already been replicated by Disturbia instead of just being like, fuck it, you know, Fright Night did it first, let's just go ahead and do it anyways.
1: Yeah, I mean, I didn't mind it, but...
2: Because I know Rear Window sued Disturbia, but Fright Night had a much better case. <laughs> yeah. And I love Disturbia, but it pretty much, it, it's a knockoff. Oh, yeah. It's a well-made knockoff. But anyways, what were you
1: saying, JD? It is a bit of a cheat because you never really do find out like why Ed and I guess Adam was the other friend who kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, they never figure out why they start investigating Jerry. You just see him filming him and going, he has no reflection. Well, okay, but why are you outside his house filming him in the middle of the night? But at the same time, it's one of those, I really didn't notice it until you just pointed that out.
2: I mean, like, I could see it more as I love the opening with with the other guy, Adam, who, who disappears and he you goes, know, there's the whole hiding under the bed where dead dad is lying next to him and he's trying to unlock that. His- I love that opening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, instead of having Evil Ed already have found out all this stuff and Charlie doesn't even look into it until after Evil Ed is gone, why don't you have it be that they're estranged friends and this is their thing that's kind of almost bringing them back together? The old mystery of them trying to find out what happened to their friend and then how does it tie into the guy who lives next door? I would have liked to have seen them take that journey together before Evil Ed gets torn away from Charlie again. Yeah. There's other ways that it could have been done and I'm kind of surprised that they did it the way they did.
1: Yeah, and the way they used Ed, it's kind of weird, because my two favorite characters in the original were Ed and Peter Vincent, and I have issues with how both are used. Ed, he's kind of there in the very beginning, and then you kind of forget that he's was in it until he comes back as a vampire. They get
2: rid of him so early. Yeah, yeah. it's
1: so early on, he doesn't have time to really kind of get to know him as a character or have him make him an impression. And yet, in the original, Ed was, like I said in the last episode, he's got all the memorable lines. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't like that performance, it's memorable, and you kind of completely forget about Ed until he comes back.
2: See, I like Ed. I like the performance of him. He actually captures that whole, he's the friend who didn't grow up, who's now been abandoned in favor of, you know, cool kids and the girlfriend. But But they actually played it up more in this one, too. Yeah, They got that aspect, but I still don't like the fact that so much of his character's journey happens off screen. I mean, like, they bring him in really clumsily, and then, yeah, and then he's gone so fast. And then by the time he comes back, I love the scene where he comes back, and the fact that he and Charlie have that moment where Charlie's forced to kill him. Yeah. I like that this movie had that moment that the old one lacked, but again, yeah, he's in so little of the movie. I would have liked to have had him be around longer. And have him be more of a part of the whole discovery of what's going on. And how does that almost bring these estranged friends back together only to tear them apart again? That would have been really nice to explore. And I find it to be a real missed opportunity.
0: Well, even that or just have Charlie be like, is this like one of your weird things where it's like a pathetic cry for attention? Fine, I'll go along with it. Just because you're threatening to totally destroy my popularity.
2: Even that. Yeah, and you could actually approach it from that—that that Ed is the one who's like really trying to figure out what happened to his friend, and Charlie's the one who keeps brushing him off. But have them gradually discover things together instead of Ed mm-hmm. already knows everything. I just really dislike that they did that. Yeah.
0: But I do really love Chris Mitzblatt. That
2: kid is. I awesome. do, yeah. I especially love the bit where the bully comes up to attack him, and he just is like, dude, just you're going to hit me. Just go ahead and hit me. And then he still ducks the hit and runs.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I still and- love that. It's such a little minor moment, but I love the fact that when he's trying to jump over the fence, he tries to throw his vampire gear over the (laughs) fence, and it just completely fails. I don't know why, but it just cracks me up every time I see that.
2: It's frustrating. In the original, they had enough Evil Ed. I don't entirely like the interpretation of him here. I love the interpretation of him, but I don't think they really make use of it enough.
1: This film is kind of a weird, bizarro version of the original. It's kind of like a lot of the things I think are strong in the original Kind of are weaker in this one, and a lot of the ones that I think are kind of weak in the original are really well done here. Yeah. You said there's two things that you, yeah, you have what's the
2: second with. one? The other one, and this will bring us to Peter Vincent. <laughs> Why don't we just talk about the setup of Peter Vincent here first? I love the introduction of him. I love David Tennant. I love the idea of turning him into a Chris Angel magician. But I don't.
0: Yeah, this is my thing Is it's like, oh, he's a Vegas magician. And that's kind of cool. Except it's not because it doesn't really go anywhere. It's like,
2: yeah. Well, the whole idea that he was a horror TV show host didn't really play into any of the rest no, of the movie either. No, but you either. could
0: have him be one of those, like, horror hunter douchebags that they have on, like, every show. Like, Ghost Hunters. Oh, and yeah. the guy who hunts the Sasquatch that I know about because Joel McHale makes fun of him all the time. Or, and
1: maybe this is my own little bit of pride, just have him be an internet guy. Like, yeah. have an internet show. I mean, there are basically guys who, you know, do that sort of have thing. Have him be except Stephanie
2: they just, Meyer. Yeah. So,
0: no, let's well, not have him be, yeah, just have him be some kind of any it, this movie feels sort of like there's certain elements where I'm like, this was
2: I agree with you that, yeah, that actually having him have a reality show would make more sense than being a Vegas stage magician, because Vegas stage magicians don't usually trump themselves up as I'm the vampire expert of all time. You know, yeah. yeah, that's where it feels odd. The problem I had narratively is the entire idea of giving him a past with vampires, that a real would, I, past.
1: I don't have a problem with that. I have a problem with the fact that they tied it to Jerry and that oh was God, just, yeah. that made you want to punch the screen.
2: It's supposed to be that this entire fantasy that he surrounds himself with, when he's suddenly confronted with it, it hits him like a brick. And that's what I loved about the original one. If he already knows about it and knows that it exists, it doesn't have the same weight when he's finally yeah. confronted with it. Because then it's like, okay, then why have you surrounded yourself by this thing that you've been trying to run away from all these years if you're only going to run away from it when you actually find it again?
1: I, well, I kind of bought that because something that he was so frightened by that he kind of decided this to is his way kind of facing his fears facing his fears For and his then way making that bat the
0: bat his symbol kind of thing as Batman.
1: Kinda, of, but also just when he gets actually confronted with it, he's still afraid. And I think that's funny. and I love David Tennant. I don't fault his performance at all.
2: but I agree with tying into Jerry Then that was just the shit cream on the shit cake. yeah, yeah. yeah
0: I, I would have been fine with the whole vampire past, but it's like as soon as they said it and I was just like, okay, movie, I will make a deal with you. Because first of all, I'm like, oh, the vampire is Jerry. And I'm like, movie, I'll make a deal with you. You can have all the children I ever make. I will sacrifice them to you. Just don't make the vampire that killed his family Jerry. I swear, you made the vampire who killed his
2: family Jerry, did you? Ugh. And I'll agree with you on that. I'll give them that he has a past with vampires. It's not an interpretation that I favor, but I'll give it to him. But yeah, then tying him to Jerry, then it just becomes, oh, quinky dink, random happenstance. The worst part
0: being that when they said that, I immediately was like, Jerry's the vampire that killed his family. If they hadn't made Jerry the vampire that killed his family, that would have thrown me for a loop. And
1: not only that, Jerry Jerry knows him. Why would Jerry know that this kid of this family that he killed, you know...
2: Maybe he recognizes the scent of scared David Tennant pissing himself. Yeah, Uh, except the
0: thing is, why did he leave the kid alive? Because he's like, I hid. I'm like, yeah, he still could have found you. Why did he leave you alive?
2: Yeah, it's not like Jerry doesn't know where people are hiding. The only yeah, thing it's like I think of is maybe Adam? Jerry
1: decides that he doesn't like to turn kids into vampires or something.
2: Maybe he was fucking with them. I don't know.
0: Yeah, because yeah. it's not basically said that because sometimes he's just drinking them to kill them.
2: Well, for the most part, I mean, that was actually one of the twists that I liked is that he's not just killing his way through people. He's actually building a pack. Yeah. And he'll kill the people who get in the way of the people that he wants to join. And most of the people who ha- he has joined his pack are the young, the teenagers and all that stuff. And he'll kill the parents because they're old. Mm hmm. What does that say about Jerry? Dude, oh, cops are so
0: going to come after you.
2: But the little kid wasn't something that he cared about. Because the kid's not going to be a threat to him. The kid's not someone that he needs for his pack. Yeah, yeah. but he could still drain him. He could still drain him. Yeah, because I don't remember, get why... he's already going to be engorging himself by draining the people that he's turning.
0: Yeah, so? I don't no, think that he... What is he, like, no, a moralistic vampire? Or, oh, I'm a little too her. full? No, fuck it. He's a vampire. He drinks when he wants to drink, like... I, I don't get why he leaves a little kid alone. Why didn't he just rip his throat out?
2: If it's a little kid, it you know, might across. have
1: always been better if Jerry turned out to be like his dad or you know be Peter Vincent's dad. I mean, it would still be weak as hell, but
2: yeah, that would have been still, a better twist. At anyway, at least it would have been.
1: It's better than this random vampire is the same one that killed my family.
0: Okay. Of all the gin joints and all at the world, at least there
1: might be like a reason. Like, well, maybe he came to Las Vegas because Peter's there or something like that.
2: Oh yeah, then we'll get the old Claremont Sabretooth Wolverine relationship.
1: Yeah, I mean, it it still would have been weak, but it would have been maybe a slight. I would,
2: yeah, I would say that maybe a slight. I mean, because it's not like Peter's presence in Vegas hasn't been advertised everywhere. Yeah. As well as his vampire connection. So, I mean, I could, if he had intentionally come there to do something to Peter, that would have given it weight. Like, he needed Peter for something.
0: The thing is, you get that Jerry just came there because
2: it's a transient population. It's people who basically... What if he recognized all the symbology of Peter's act? And was like, dude, you're going to be telling the public a lot of things that I don't want them to know.
0: Out of that or really they could have just cut out all of the whole vampire past and just made him a guy who collects weird shit. Because you know what? You, you kinda turn get that. on any channel
2: now and people collect weird shit. And then we get to the original where it's just something that he doesn't take seriously and it turns out to be real. And that's what I would have preferred. I love at one point where Peter Vincent, when he's
0: just like, it's the whatever that's blessed by St. Michael, and you know. Oh, that one I had a problem with, too. That was so funny, because I'm just like, wow, you're gonna put all your hopes and dreams on it, probably. Super!
1: Somebody who buys a lot of stuff from eBay, which, you know, are always reliable purchases.
2: Yeah, thank God that worked. I think that was one step too far. I prefer the original idea of, you know, just if you kill the lead within a certain amount of time, the people he's turned will be freed from the curse. You don't need the magic stake.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm like that's a simple thing. Back from like Dracula, of The Simpsons used it in the Halloween episode. You kill the head vampire, and everyone else becomes human.
2: Duh. Yeah, yeah it doesn't need to be everyone else, even because you know, even at the end, I don't think the entire pack should have turned back. Yeah, that's the way it works. That I mean, Amy happened within like just a few hours. Yeah, and Peter just happened within a few hours too. It kind of
1: bugs me when they do stuff like that because then it's like, well, that means that if you would just maybe decide not to kill evil Ed, maybe yeah. just like try to cut off his other arm and, or whatever, at least he might still be alive or something. I don't know. It's yeah, just,
2: I mean, I like the original idea where there is a maturation process and if you get to the vampire before they fully mature, you can still save them.
1: Yeah.
0: Now, I have a nitpick for this movie among many nitpicks, which is that the vampires and the way that they act is inconsistent. Because you have Ed who becomes a vampire who's all like I'm evil and blah. And then you have Doris who becomes a vampire who still very much acts like Doris when she was human. And then you have Amy no, no, who's, like, Doris, well, Doris. who's just so sweet when she's alive and then she's like super she, you know, vampire. Doris hasn't family. fully
2: turned yet. She's still yeah. in the transition.
0: No, she turns because she bursts She into bursts pit. into
2: flames, but she still hasn't fully turned. She hasn't fully turned to the level edge. you see
0: that she has fangs at one point when they're going
2: outside? Yes, but that doesn't mean that she has fully fallen under his into his pack. That means she's still in the process of being turned. Okay,
0: but the thing is, still yeah, like, with like, Ed, he can still kind of control himself because he's trying to bite yeah. Charlie, but he's kind of fighting it. But then Amy. Yeah, but you doesn't. have to remember,
2: in the timeline of the movie, Ed was grabbed a day before Doris was. So he's had an extra day to jail.
0: Yeah, but Amy's only had. And it's like, actually
2: a couple days after Doris bursts that evil Ed comes back. So he's had like an extra three or four days of gestation on top of her. But then yeah,
0: explain Amy
2: Doris to me.
1: Doris was only like about maybe at most an hour between like when she was bitten and when she burst into flame. Amy has probably hours because Charlie but has to go get that, his like it did, gear and it all that stuff. doesn't give
2: and- me a consistent thing. Amy, I'll give you. Amy, that was just they did it in the original. We got to do it here. I'll agree with you. Ed and Doris, I have reasons for. But Amy, I'll give you. She either shouldn't have gone that far or maybe they should have played it up that if you kill me, you kill the entire pack.
0: Well, and then the thing is, for instance, if Ed, at first you're like super evil and then later on you get more free will as you go along, because obviously Ed does retain some of his human self because he doesn't want to bite Charlie. And there are
2: parts where he's kind of stopping himself because he could have sunk his teeth into Charlie's neck very quickly and he doesn't. No, no, they were showing it that he was trying to bite him, but he couldn't because the neck tendons had been severed.
1: Yeah.
0: I didn't see that at all, the way that I saw him. It was because, he was remember, he it. caught
2: the axe in his neck.
0: Yeah, and he was And healing. so he
2: couldn't reach his face forward enough to get into him.
0: That's yeah. not the way that I saw the actor playing it. The way that I saw him playing it is someone who was having trouble biting his friend.
1: I didn't really see that too much, but
0: I... That's what I got out of the performance. So, yeah, for me, it still doesn't make sense.
2: Well, you see your thing and we see ours. You guys didn't have a problem with all the little, like, one-off things that
0: they do that really don't add to the story.
2: What, like the shoes or ginger or stuff? Oh, I love that. I thought it just added nice little fun. Why does it have to add to the story? Why can't it just be a fun little throwaway joke?
0: Well, because every single person who does that needs to realize that they're not Quentin Tarantino. He can do that and he can do that well. They can't.
2: So you don't have to be Quentin Tarantino. I thought they did it well. And most
1: of well, them, are, I think, are pretty quick. Like the whole shoes thing is like maybe like two lines.
2: Oh, my God. They drive that into the ground. They did it twice. It got a setup and it got a payoff. They did not drive it into the ground and within 20 minutes it was done. No, they drove it into the ground like puce. Yeah, fuck yeah. And then it takes a real man to wear puce. Oh my God. Really? Does it? Yeah, no, they had this setup where he's trying to show him off at school, and then they had the payoff where Jerry comments on him, and that was all done within the first twenty minutes of the movie. It was not something they drove into and the it, ground. Drove into they the did the it ground for me, and it
1: actually twice. serves a purpose in the story because he doesn't have a problem with the other kids, like you know, or making. He's trying to charm them all, yeah, yeah. But he all of a sudden, like Charlie, doesn't have any problems when the other guys are like making fun of his shoes. But when Jerry mentions it, all of a sudden he's like kind of self-conscious. He's like, "No, no, I play basketball. It's for you know, because I play games." Because yeah. he's trying to impress himself in front of his mom and his girlfriend, and I kind of... No, it's because he's trying to impress Colin Farrell. Well, you know, you see what you want to see in there. I'm sure there's plenty of fanfic out there.
2: I'm with JD on this, you know, it's... And,
1: like, Ginger's kind of...
2: Ginger was, yeah. you know, you're going to have the assistant. Why not just have a little fun with it?
0: Well, all, I yeah. get that it's funny, but it, what's the point of it? And I
2: think that actually gave her a little more character than just the typical walk-on that she could have been. And it I would have given, given you some I extra
0: I motivation given as well. Ginger. I would have given you ginger if she had a good death.
2: She had a good death in the impact that it had on Vincent.
1: Yeah, she doesn't get a chance to like shine or anything like as far as like her character, but she was created. She, she was else. created a character I who did, had. I to, did
2: know. not
0: like that because she doesn't even die on screen. That's how peripheral she is. Like, well, yeah, you that would have blown
2: the surprise of Ed getting in there though. Yeah.
0: We already knew Ed was coming. Did no one know that as soon as when he called up and was like, Mr. Vincent, I'm like, okay, it's Ed. The first time I saw it, I knew Can it was Can we Ed.
2: at least just let them play their game sometimes? I know yeah. that you see every cliched plot coming, but I don't always see that as a bad thing. Ooh, I honestly Ed. didn't know
1: if it was Ed or if it was going to be Jerry.
2: And I love that it only takes a second for the characters to realize, wait, you get deliveries at night.
0: It, it actually the delivery, takes them a little bit.
1: They still see the delivery talk. costume in uh, Jerry's wardrobe, so I thought it was going to be Jerry.
2: And that's what I love is that he has like a police officer's uniform and all these other uniforms and all stuff. Yeah. Even if we don't see him come into play, that just, it tells you so much about him.
0: No, I like the fact that Ed and Jerry are apparently the same size. <laughs> I would not have thought that. Well, for- a That's day. a fair point.
2: That's a fair with point. delivery
1: uniform, you only really need like a jacket, you know? But
0: it seems quite tailored. You know what? Maybe Jerry has taken up sewing in the years that he's been a vampire.
1: He, just sitting know? there with
0: a little sewing machine like, oh, well, he
1: moves really fast. He can probably, you know, alter something he like- He has
2: cross-stitched shark teeth. <laughs>
1: No.
2: And that was the interesting thing was, you know, the original one, they tried to bring a little bit of a fruit bat element to the vampires. Here it's like they're bringing sharks to the vampires. For some reason, yeah. it's, like, it's an odd choice, but okay. At least they were kind of consistent in the way the teeth always worked and everything.
1: Yeah. So do you I didn't like
0: the really, I mean... like, travel in packs? I don't, yeah. I don't know more than...
2: Actually, Christmas. yeah.
0: Like, for feeding, but, like, in general, do they hang out? Yeah.
2: Sharks actually have a very complex pattern that they all travel around together.
0: Yeah, I think my knowledge of sharks basically comes from Jaws and pissing my pants in fear, so.
2: (laughs) don't tend to hang out with that many sharks. As Jaws has proven, the family members of sharks remember the people who kill sharks. And they come back for revenge, because that time is personal. also, a shark is faster than an airplane and will get to the bomb. (laughs) So it's Fright Night, this time it's personal.
1: Yeah. I have to admit, I don't really care for the vampire when they full-on, like...
2: It gets a little CGI-ish. Yeah, okay. it's goofy oh. Vamp Face.
1: I mean, it actually kind of reminded me a little bit of Amy's makeup in the original, but it's kind yeah, of... Yeah, I think
2: that's what they were building off of, is does give everyone that mouth look. Which kind of works, but
1: I don't know, it just, it seems a little, like you said, it's a little too cgi And you see it a little bit too often for it to really kind of have any impact other than just kind of looking a little goofy. Yeah. Me.
0: When Colin Farrell as Jerry goes all like vamp face, I'm like, it looks like a really unflattering vampire drawing of Stephen Moyer from True Blood. That's what it looked like to me, which made it funny and terrible at the same time. And I laughed really hard and I fell over.
2: (laughs) And I kind of bruised my hip. Let's talk about Colin Farrell as Jerry, because what I loved from the very moment I saw the first trailer is they're doing a full on Edward Cullen here. The hair, the pale skin, the the way he dresses the abs and everything, and showing, okay, yeah, we can make vampires hot, too, and then show that they're still fucking brutal monsters. Yeah. And also kind of really gross. I love that they even nailed it with the Twilight nod of him rolling the apple off the counter and catching it. Mm. It's like they're obviously doing a total play on Edward Cullen, and I loved it. I think you're kind of reaching with that one, sort of. No, that was something that they mentioned in interviews, too
0: okay well maybe they intended but they maybe if they had shown a shot to the apple or thought it was too much I did see the columnisms, but I did like the fact that he completely like devours the apples he pretty much I'm like, devours like, an the scenery apple
2: like that it's hilarious it's awesome. Does,
1: like he eats through the core to the other side
2: which is very European thing to do actually Colin Farrell is an actor who he can be like really great in some stuff and really awful in others I love him in this movie
1: oh yeah me too Stephen I Farrell is I
0: like shy where I've seen him in like these horrible movies and he's so awesome in them.
2: And I don't like this movie, but I love him in it. It's just, he's so good. I've seen him in some great movies that he was pretty awful in too. So yeah.
1: I like how he plays a, he's very predatory. Like he, you know. Hey guy. Yeah.
2: He's almost like a child predator, you know, he's (laughs) seductive, but like in a really creepy and very imposing way.
1: Yeah, you kind of get, like, Charlie's mom, like, actually kind of notices it. You kind of see, like, she's a little bit taken in, but she also kind of is a little bit, I kind of get the impression, like, she's, like, not buying into it 100% because it's just, he's- She's
2: kind of charmed, but she's not completely stupid. Yeah. Well, she's and-
0: charmed, but at the same time, she had a husband run off
2: on her, so she's like, Ehh. And I love, I love the moment where Jerry's at the door and Charlie's telling her, don't wait a minute, she eventually sighs with her son. Yeah. I love that scene. And I love that entire sequence of, you know, then Jerry is like, fuck it, I'm getting in that house. And so he just goes out, digs up the gas line, blows up the house and just comes in.
1: Yeah. My favorite scene in the whole movie is the whole beer scene. And
2: oh, I love that scene. Yeah.
1: It's just something where you get both Charlie and Jerry it's get a beautiful to shine. And Jerry is just like, he's at the door and you can tell it just bugs him that he can't walk through. He's constantly like eyeing the doorframe. Like he's just like looking for like a weakness or something like that. It's almost animal-like.
2: And then it gets to the point where it's like, I know, I know that, you know, I know that you know that I know.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And it's just such a game of chicken, really, between the two. It's just the performance is there and the whole scene is just written so tightly.
2: I mean, this is one of those movies where, you know, it has its issues, but every now and then it just brings it, man. And, And there are just some great sequences that are like that. I love that scene.
1: Yeah, every once in a while you know, you see like Jerry seems like he's in control and then all of a sudden you could tell that Charlie's like you stay there and you kind of see like Jerry's a little bit taken aback like he's just like oh shit this kid actually knows and then he decides to take it back and he's in control and then Charlie starts handing him the beer and he takes it back and he's playing with him a little bit and then it's just so back and forth you're like rooting for almost both of them because they're both of them are mm-hmm. just trying to test each other and see which one's going to give first and you know nothing ever really comes out of that scene directly but it's just so like ratches up the tension
2: So much comes out of that scene in the fact that these two characters finally make grand revelations about each other. Charlie finally believes, and Jerry realizes that Charlie believes. And that pretty much sets the stage for everything that happens from there on. Yeah.
0: I at no point think that Charlie is ever one-ups Jerry in the scene I do think Jerry's not used to having someone hold their own against him which is what Charlie is essentially doing because some of the stuff that Jerry's saying I'm like Jerry's in control of that situation for the most part the only thing is that he's not used to someone not being like
2: but Charlie doesn't give in eventually
0: yeah when he's talking about Amy and she's right and the plucking and I'm just like he's so baiting him
2: I think it's at that point where he realizes that Charlie knows. So, okay, I'm going to give you a little warning now.
0: But, I mean, he's totally baiting him and he doesn't give in to it. I like that.
2: He's totally the skeevy college guy who likes to sleep with the high school kids.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And I love the fact that Amy is a virgin,
2: like she was in the original. And I just like the name Imogen Poots.
1: I, I really like Amy in this version. I, I I liked Amanda Beer's fine.
2: I love the original one, too. I thought they handled her character well, except for that little climactic end where, yeah, she became a vampire a little quickly.
1: Yeah, that, yeah, and that's not, but as far yeah, as her character t- is goes, she yeah. feels a lot more fleshed out. She seems like somebody who, she knew Charlie was a dork. She still loves him, despite mm-hmm. that. She has her own interests. Like you said, Evie, she's a virgin, but she's still flirty and like, you know, not necessarily you know. I mean what I like
2: a- about that scene where it's the play on the opening scene to the original where she's the one who's still, like instead like- of him like being why don't you ever put out, she's the one who's trying to initiate the sexual contact now.
1: Yeah.
0: And he's all like, I gotta watch my neighbor. He's yeah. calling Farrell, he's really hot. Yeah. What <laughs> if my neighbor were calling Farrell, I'd be like, Yeah, it's really important that I look at these binoculars here. Very oh important. crap, you looked, you looked. I'd be like, What's up? Um, I feel I need to point out something really important, and right. that is that James Franco's brother is in this movie, and that is that.
2: Yeah, the bully Mark. Yeah, yeah. He looks
0: like a mini James Franco. Like if you can't
2: get, he also get looks James like James a mini Franco.
1: Edward Cullen. I kept getting like a. He's really pale and kind of just reminded Maybe me. Maybe he just him.
2: work for scale. I love the whole bit where he makes fun of Charlie for having gotten a mocha latte, and then he just takes Charlie's mocha latte and starts yeah. drinking it. It's <laughs> a mochaccino. <Or> whatever. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but he's. I'm like, dude, you took his mochaccino, asshole! Right after making fun of him for having one. Yeah. Why would you drink that? I'm gonna drink that. It's <laughs> making fun of someone for having something because you want it. Yeah. yeah. Lisa Lopez in the movie. I totally forgot to mention that she's in the movie. That's right. Said, she's Ed's mom. Yeah.
1: I didn't. Yeah. I have Wikipedia, but I just noticed that when we started talking about this.
2: I recognized her when I saw her. Yeah. yeah. I didn't. Every I didn't, time I saw it, I freaked out. I remember <laughs> her from House on Haunted Hill. That was so cool. We could have done a Lisa Loeb remake back to back double feature, but we didn't. Mm. For shame. So, anyways, back to Amy. I, I love that scene where she's confronting Jerry and she empties the gun of silver bullets in him and he just pulls out the bullet and says, werewolves. And so she grabs the holy water, splashes at him on it on him, and says, vampires. Yeah, except yeah. then, I'm like,
0: how did the holy water not evaporate? But I'm like, ah, it's, fuck it. But it's I'm, holy. I mean, I'm going to
2: give it the mulligan for that. <laughs> it's holy. And well, it was under unreli- The holy water really?
0: still evaporates.
1: It's, it was sealed up. Well, but, could,
2: but to seal you'd still get you know, evaporation and it would condensate around yeah. the inside. of. But anyways. Maybe he yeah, gets like, refills what? every other week or something like that. Maybe it's a cup that always fills itself. I don't know.
0: I love the fact at one point where Charlie has sort of like garlic slash crossed up the entire house. And Jane comes in and she's just like, I love the look. It's so dark shadows. I'm like, it's funny because Tim Burton made a horrible movie called that. (laughs) Not at that point. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. But in retrospect, it's funny.
2: Yeah. So back to the movie. The mom actually had something to do in this movie. Yes. This one, I had a problem with the fact, I love Toni Collette. I love mm-hmm. that she actually stands by her son and that she actually takes action in that one sequence. I don't like that then that they drop her.
0: Mm-hmm. It really does, like, all of a sudden, head injury and we're done.
2: I almost wanted mom to keep going and tag along, you know? <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not really well explained. It's, it's oh, she stabs. hit her head. <laughs> yeah, she stabs Jerry in the chest, and she kind of just faints and hits her head. That's kind of like... Ah.
2: No, she stabbed him in the back. It was a concussion that she got when the car crash happened, and it just took her that long to pass out. No one was I wearing think their seatbelts in that car, were
1: they? I just saw Jerry spurting blood and running around like a crazed animal. And just
2: No, because they've got her head bandaged later. When the car hits them in the back, you see her head hit the steering wheel. Yeah. yeah. And they've got her head bandaged
1: Probably a, maybe a mixture of both.
2: It would take a few minutes for the brain to start swelling. That would probably be then why she passed out.
1: That makes some more sense, but...
2: And why did Chris Sarandon just randomly show up as J.D.? Because I
0: Chris don't Sarandon, don't, no, fuck I it, remember, I don't care.
1: I Chris don't even giving out my permission to be in this movie, especially played by Chris Sarandon, but... Uh,
2: I don't mind giving him a cameo. I'd love to give him a cameo. But what's weird, though, is you know despite the fact that some of it is shot weirdly for 3D and whatnot, I love that extended sequence of, you know, the whole... Jerry can't get in the house, so he blows up the house, so they try to get away, so he attacks their car, then he drives up in his truck and forces them off the road, and then they run over him, but he's under the car, and then they get the other car, and then it's like just this great constantly building action sequence, it's really well thought out, it's not, some of the execution is a little wonky, but it's really well thought out, and then let's just stop all of a sudden and just, oh hey, it's Chris Sarandon. Yeah, yeah they could have like cut, cut the entire the sequence. Story. I, it would have just even cut out that guy showing up and just have it during that action sequence. Okay, she stabs him and then they drive off. Yeah. I don't mind having a Chris a cameo. I just don't think that was the part for it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I didn't mind it, but it was something that really didn't need to
2: be there. It called attention to itself and it ground the story to a stop for two minutes while it happened. Yeah.
0: Well, mind you, the stuff that you like, I didn't because they have the whole thing where the house blows up. Okay, and then we have the thing on the road and I'm like, okay, well, is this our... F-? No, and then I'm waiting for the final conflict because it's like we're hitting the point where you could have the last battle and it's still going and it's... No, no, this started. is just a- start. This isn't think-
2: the final battle. This is just establishing what he is and how hard he is to kill.
1: Yeah, it's it all of a sudden... This is the setup. Yeah, raises but- the stakes to the point where it's no longer just two people kind of eyeing each other. It's, it's
2: not someone that you can just walk over and take on, you know? I think yeah. if
0: someone can rip a uh, gas line... Out of the ground. Well, he had to
2: shovel it out first. Yeah. He then
0: tore it out and then like cut he cut it, it in half with
2: the shovel, and then he pulled up the half. If someone can do that, I just see that as enough. I just love that it didn't stop. It just kept going and building. And even when you get away, it's like, okay, we got in the car, we got away from the house. First, he throws the motorcycle after them, and then suddenly he's in his truck and he's following us. And then, okay, let's run him over. Holy shit, he's holding on to the bottom of the car and he's going to break his way up into us. I like that. I love that it's just yeah. this constantly unfolding escalation.
0: See, I didn't like any of that. I would have been fine if well, you it had, had, had a just migraine cut. at the time. <laughs> well, the first time I had a migraine, the next couple of times I watched it, I didn't have a migraine. Okay. Not for this. I had a migraine because it wasn't making any
2: sense. But I'm like, for me, it's like when he starts up the bike, which, why does it start for him? But I'm like, I guess. Well, that's what I love is that he gets it to start because he's the perfect guy. And because then, I'm like,
0: the bike just loves it. But then too. the tire I is broken.
2: Start. So he just yeah. tosses it at him.
0: Yeah, and I would have been fine with just that and then them cutting to Vegas and having his big show of power being when they get to Peter Vincent's place.
2: I disagree. I love that it showed just how persistent he is. Yeah, but I'm saying
0: me personally, it wasn't doing it for me. I'm just like waiting for the big final showdown and it's still like, okay, and then the mom and then the mom passed out. And then although he does make the really cool sound when he gets stabbed in the back with the big
2: forky thing. And I just love that shot of him writhing and crawling. That was really together. cool. I thought
0: that yeah. was cool, but I'm like, the rest of it didn't work for me, but... Okay, I like the part where he made the sound and he rides around, but the rest of it, I was like, yeah, I didn't need it.
2: I love the bit where his hand shoots it through the car and it's like, look, that's a fucked up vampire hand. Don't you believe me now? Yeah. I'm pretty sure that once he blew up the house, I would have believed him. Someone blew up my well, house. I'm it like, was
1: okay, one of those things do- where you could almost... It goes from this is really weird to that's just an flyout impossible. Now I have to believe that this is definitely a supernatural thing.
2: I like how far they carried it, and I hear that you don't, Evie.
1: Like you said, I think the cameo Chris Randon could probably even drop.
2: That was the part I would have cut.
1: But uh, everything else, yeah, I, I thought it was tense. I thought it was action packed. I thought it was fun. So,
2: and especially since a lot of the movie has been kind of slow to that point, it was just a nice sudden run of action.
0: My thing is, if someone blew up my house just by digging something up from my lawn, I would pretty much just assume that they were a supernatural being, like, in general. I would not need further convincing. I'd be like, okay,
2: it's a vampire. Well, I think it like, was just a matter of, you know, it was... Well, first it took a minute to yeah. process, what is he doing? And I then do basically- love the fact that if he just comes out with the shovel, it would have been nice if he just, like, planted a Joshua tree in their yard. And it's like, wait, where is he going? What's he? Wh- what's he doing to my lawn? I love that reaction. Once
0: he blows up the house, I'm just like, okay, that's all I would have needed to believe. I didn't need the fucked up vampire hand. Okay. Even if they
2: had done the
0: prolonged everything, maybe it was feeling long because on top of that, that's when we get bad CGI face.
2: Yeah. But- yeah, but that comes near the end of it. I do agree that a lot of the way that they're, they're doing the single camera, sweeping around the car to try to play up the 3D effects, that's a little overdone.
0: I actually like the sweeping around. I mean, it, it makes for a boring shot, but I think it... I'm always through douchebaggery like that.
2: I like the idea of it. I just think a lot of the composite work looks like obvious CG.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm all for the cinematic douchebaggery, even if it doesn't look real, but it just eventually it just got long for me because on top of that, the first time I saw it, I did have... Actually, I had two migraines. I'm sorry, because at one point it subsided and then I got a second one that was worse than the first one.
2: So high five to Fright Night. <laughs> If we can go a few scenes earlier, I even just really love the scene of Charlie breaks into the house for the first time. Yeah. I mean, I love yeah. the recurring bit of the lock pick that the first time he needs to use it, it doesn't end up working, so he does something else. And then it comes to a point where he really fucking needs to pick that lock. Yeah. <laughs> I do love the fact that there's an app for that. Yeah, and I love that he finds that hidden room. There's a whole bit with Doris. I love the fact that when Doris is being eaten and she sees him, she does the little shush gesture. Yeah. That's-, had- that's just haunting. They yeah. had
0: to have done that because if not... That would have been the point where I would have
2: turned against Charlie and been like, you fucking useless cunt. Why didn't you do anything? And Doris could have so easily just been empty eye candy, and she mostly is. But you had that moment that was just just such a human moment. And then the whole bit that Charlie thinks he's finally saving the day, he's finally rescuing her. And then he gets her out the door and
1: bam. Yeah, I did not see that coming.
2: I remember when I was watching that in the first time, I was just stunned when that happened.
1: Yeah, I think I kind of remember seeing that shot in like trailers or, or some sort of preview or something
2: like that. But he had no context didn't yeah, to you put didn't it know together
1: because, yeah. And so basically, you get so built up into the tension of where Jerry's at and where they're at and trying to sneak out and trying not to get caught. And yet, do you see Jerry like sniffing and does he know or does he not know? And then all of a sudden, they get outside, she bursts into smoke in the ashes. And then and it was all just, for naught. Yeah, and yeah. he's just sitting there at the door just smiling like he knew exactly what was going to happen.
2: I love that That at some point Jerry caught on and he's just like, yeah. let it happen. Maybe it'll teach the kid a lesson, you know?
0: He stops and he smells and he knows that Charlie's in there and he's just like, you know what? Let the kid do what he wants to do. Fuck it. Yeah. I will say that for all the dislikes that I have of this movie, I love the character of Doris. This is like when I was reading Dracula and I know that Lucy's going to die, but when it actually gets to her dying, I was crying when I was reading the book. So I'm like, I really love Lucy. Oh, the
2: whole saga of Lucy Westenra is one of the most haunting things ever written.
0: You, you can ask Mac about this. I will, like, have texted her being like, uh,
2: uh, uh, and I'm a really ugly crier, too. I want someone to do a Dracula movie where it's just the Lucy story. That would just be the most haunting, depressing that would be thing worst
0: worst ever. Down ending. I want that movie now.
2: Don't but, even yeah. adapt the rest of the story. Just the tale of Lucy.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, for, yeah. I did like, I don't I like, like Doris. Movie, I love Doris. Doris yeah, could have
2: just been empty eye candy, and they oh, found yeah. just little ways to actually make her a genuine person.
0: And plus, on top of that, the actress really has yes. little things that she does. Because the thing is, even, like, the smile that she gives Charlie when she's taking out her trash, it's not, like, salacious or anything. She's just being They're sweet. friends, yeah. 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 I mean,
2: even though he checks out her ass, I mean, you get the sense that there is a bond between the two, a friendship, yeah. you know?
1: Well, you yeah, can get the impression that she maybe has known him for a while and kind of... yeah. And he's kind of, kind of gone Maybe she babysat him at some point, you know? Puberty and maybe just had a, like a long standing crush or something like that. And it's just such a minor thing. You really look on paper as to what her character is, and there's really nothing you can like pinpoint other than Go Go Dancer, but she just brings like a certain amount of texture to her character that is harder to define.
2: I love the setting of this. I love the idea of this is one of those just little squares of urban development that's right in the middle of the Vegas desert. Mm -hmm. And it's isolated, but it's also like a typical suburban community. And yet people work odd hours. So it's not weird to have a guy who's up all night and sleeps during the day. People disappearing isn't odd because people, you know, keep moving because, you know, people came in to help build things and they move out of town. Well, that, and
0: this would have been taking place after your big recession, so it makes sense that people would just abandon their homes and leave. It was going to be foreclosed on anyway. Well, people also sell homes furnished, too. But yeah. no, I mean, it also makes sense that people just abandon their right. homes, like that one that Ed breaks into
2: that's abandoned. That was the one from the opening scene. I thought it was a different house. No, no, because that was their friend Adam. Their friend Adam was the one that we saw getting taken in the opening scene.
0: Yeah, but then he go, but he's coming home from Adam, so why would he come Because ba- he doesn't go...
2: Oh no 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 uh wait the one that he breaks into right before he gets taken by jerry yeah. yeah okay yeah that was just a random house i thought the one we were when he was looking with charlie no no, no. the yeah. the one
0: when okay. he walks in and he goes you can't come in and he's just like it's abandoned bitch
2: yeah
1: yeah and there's nothing in that house so yeah, there's a lot of nice little, like, admittedly, you know, Marty Noxon has probably put a little bit of thought into vampire stuff beforehand, but uh, I like a lot of the little touches like, you know, this is a vampire who's, he's a survivor.
2: Well, I mean, even the things I don't like feels like they come out of someone having put thought into it. Yeah. I don't agree with them, but that doesn't mean I don't think that they were done stupidly.
1: There's a See, lot the thing of things that-, that he does. You could tell Jerry wants to survive like ultimate yes. like he's got his outfits, his policeman outfit, his delivery man outfit. He's got his basement that he clears out and he's neighborly to his neighbors. He's not like he's, you know, being creepy guy who, you know, he's talking with the mom. He doesn't he, you kind of get a little bit of predatory feel, but he doesn't seem like he's trying to like I'm going to eat you. There's a lot of like little nice touches.
2: There's a lot of nuance in this film.
0: Yeah, The only thing and I could I like really see being his downfall is that he decides to compose his new tribe of vampires of young teenage looking kids, which I'm like, people are going to know that they're gone.
2: Well, not if he's taking out an entire family. I mean, that's why, in, as you saw in the opening, he's taking out entire families. So people are just like, well, the family moved.
0: Well, he, he is with something like Adams, for instance. But then we have
2: like... Well, Ed was different because Ed wasn't just someone that he randomly went to. Ed was something that directly confronted him. Yeah, he had to take care of Ed. Ed was a problem that he needed to get out of the way. Yeah, but then... Maybe it could be that, you know, he would go back and take out Ed's parents later, you know?
0: But, I mean, still, it's one of those things where I'm like, you would have someone who would call the
2: school for... Like, it's just like... I mean, you don't know that he's not having someone do that on their behalf. I
0: just have that whole, like, dude, maybe pick someone who's just a little bit older.
2: You don't know that he's not having them do that after they turn to his will. Of, like, contacting the school and saying, well, my family. Well,
0: except that, at least from Ed's implication, is that he's not the master. There's no will of his to be done because he did away with all that. Unless Ed was lying, which I don't know why he would be.
2: No, what Ed was just talking about was it's not yes master, no master, cowtowing. It's just he's not being formal about it, but he's still the head. Yeah. He's just not requiring them to follow the formalities. Mm. That's what he was referring to. That's
1: kind of what I thought.
0: Impossible, I think this movie really pisses me off more so because of the stuff that I like. And then I'm like, why isn't the rest of this better? And I just want to hurt it so much.
2: See, and then there's even bits that I like during the climax where the Amy thing got a little wrong. But I love that Peter gets bitten and starts turning and starts mm-hmm. steaming in the sunlight. And, I love and the then it's just like, I'm a drink. I love the fact that they're protected by the sunlight and Jerry's just running his finger into the sunlight and just mm-hmm. burning the tip of it. And then I actually genuinely love the idea of Charlie setting fire to himself and hitching himself to Jerry. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: yeah. So, yeah oh, it's, it's, it's just so out there. It's just such an oddball concept, but I love it. It's cool but incredibly dangerous. It is, but it's only yeah, supposed to it, last. It, I think you know. you'd
1: have you kind of had to have like special gels and stuff to really be able to be on fire without, you know, killing yourself.
2: It would have been nicer to set it up a little better, but then that would have given it away. Yeah.
0: Now, I live in a place where they kind of don't let you buy weapons very easily, so can you guys just walk into a store as a teenager and just buy a crossbow and crossbow bolts and no one's going to ask for anything at all? Like, that they'll uh, just sell it
2: to you? Like, a deer think hunting you? store? Yeah. I don't like, think as a teenager, they that.
0: won't even ask you? That, as like, a teenager, maybe. If you say maybe. you're going to go kill know. a vampire and, d- no, like, seriously, they'll just let you?
2: Probably not.
0: I don't. Just, you know, Damn it, America! I want to buy crossbow bolts and tell the guy I'm going to do.
2: I'll it. give it to him because they did the joke.
1: Yeah, I honestly don't know what if there's any laws, or if they may give you a funny looks at least, but...
2: I at least like the funny, I'm going to kill a vampire. You know, that's... I'll give it to them.
0: Yeah, it's just more me generally asking, because I, I... Probably like not. If, if I were to do it here, I, like, if I went out as a teenager and were like, I'm going to go buy a crossbow and crossbow, they're not going to sell it to me. They're not, no, I'd have to have a parent. probably not. So, I was just like, because I don't know, you guys, it, it, I think I it's easy. Guys, to get weapons,
2: too. It's not that easy. I don't know what buying hunting surplus is like, and I don't know what the laws for bows and arrows are compared to the laws of guns. I know a teenager can't just walk up and buy a gun. Mm -hmm. Right.
1: I would imagine that probably in reality, I don't think there's probably any laws per se, but there's probably store policy would be anything like that. They'd probably have to have a parent accompany them.
2: I wonder if it's like they'll let you buy bows, but there's restrictions on buying arrows. Yeah.
0: Because
2: I could imagine that.
0: I'm like, what if it's just like oh, some crazy motherfucking kid who's just like, I'm going to shoot everyone I think is a vampire. It's a little dangerous.
2: I like the Peter Vincent's steak gun that breaks.
0: Ew. Fucking eBay. Yeah. I'm like, see? That's why people don't buy shit from eBay when they're drunk. Okay, if, well, at first, the stuff that he's drinking is like a melon liqueur. Because at first, I thought what he was drinking, and I only caught it on the second one. I thought he was drinking absinthe. And I'm like, why are you not falling down and like batting at the sky going, applesauce? Because
2: <laughs> absinthe, it'll knock you on your ass I'll have to check with Angie because she's the absinthe drinker I've heard
1: that it's kind of a little bit overrated But I'm not well, I'm it, tried it.
2: Well, I guess it depends on if you get the original formula Which is, I think, still somewhat illegal Or not
0: Well, it's the wood alcohol that makes you go insane
2: Yeah
0: Th- That's more the problem with it Yeah, but the amount that he was drinking, too But then I was just like, oh, okay, he's drinking
2: I love how he's so fake that even the tattoos on his neck aren't real I love when he's taking everything off and it was just like cracking me up. So anything else we want to say about the Fright Night remake?
1: I don't think we really talked about Charlie much at all.
2: Yeah, he's like the main character and we're like, eh. I mean, I'll give you that. I I like Anton Yelchin more than I do the guy in the first film. Yeah. Yeah. He's more of an interesting actor.
1: And considering I had issues with the original Charlie, I actually don't have those with this version.
2: This one has a little more depth because you get the sense that he used to be like an evil ed type guy, but now he's trying to get out of that and trying to be successful and popular. He's dating the hot girl. He's trying to impress the jocks. And it's kind of weird because, I mean, he's more
1: blatantly a jerk to his friend, but.
2: (laughs) But it's Um, in his desperation to be cool.
1: Yeah. You kind of like, well, I can kind of sympathize with that as opposed to, like I said, the first thing we see of Charlie in the original is him shaming his girlfriend for not putting out. Yeah. You don't get that here.
2: I like the original in kind of a doofus, everyman type way, but here, this is a much more interesting character and he's much better played.
1: And he's a little bit smarter. He doesn't bumble into
2: things. Part of that is probably because they robbed him of a lot of the setup.
0: Yeah. Ed does a lot of the footwork for him already.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Off screen.
0: Well, again, that's because of Disturbia, too. I know. It's not like it's Anton Yelchin's fault.
2: No, I know. No.
0: I do love the fact that when Amy finds him on the computer, he's just like, I'm working on (sighs) porn. Porn. (laughs) <laughs> I love that
2: but I love like there's an app for lockpicking but also he looks up online how to break into a Vegas thing and so he goes and steals the newspaper and the guy's badge and puts together the press badge which I'm like if it's that easy shit <laughs> this is like hackers suddenly everyone's going to start doing it
1: probably wouldn't work in real life but it probably yeah. you know
2: it's well, a fun movie now. trick that everyone can at least quickly understand yeah, yeah it, exactly. it
1: works to get him into where he needs to go as far as Hollywood logic yeah
2: yeah I
0: love that Peter's security is essentially Ginger. He basically goes, oh, my God, this kid
2: is nuts. And he's just like, Ginger! Well, we do see the other guards who get torn up. But I love the the fact that when Charlie comes for the third time after the Evil Ed attack, Peter Vincent is like, well, how did you get up here? Well, your security kind of has its throats torn out. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's that, like, (laughs) touche. Touche, sir. Touche. Okay, there is actually something I do want to bring out about this movie. Amy is essentially vampire raped by Jerry. And I can't be the only one who saw that, because yeah. she, he didn't well, she seduce She was in her the original,
2: or too. Yeah, this one but is a little was, bit more blatant. Was, this because, one, yeah. she doesn't give into it. Yeah, yeah, she's
1: basically drugged by him, because, you know, he puts the blood on her lips, which I guess kind of puts her into a trance-type state. Right,
2: there's not that whole seduction, that whole lure. It's more date rape. Yeah, yeah. it's like,
0: there's a point where she essentially has, like, the dead-eyed of just mm-hmm. lie back and think of England kind of thing, and I was just like, seriously, people in the nightclub, come on! And
2: he was also smart enough to not kill the bouncers.
0: At one point the bouncer's like She seems pretty into it to me I'm like oh is she also asking for it And dressed like that
2: well, hey, you know, saying that I wouldn't criticize the movie for having a guy say something that was stupid when it and it's a real thing. Oh, that yeah, no, it, it, and
1: just, if you look at the perspective of the shot, it does look like they're just making out. It doesn't yeah. look like she's fighting or anything like that. I no, can see I that upsetting no some people. It. It's but, just he
0: has that kind of like, you know, instead of going up to them and being like, hey, hey, instead, he's just like, well, she seems pretty into it.
2: Right. And I'm just like,
0: are you going to do nothing? Well, yeah, that sounds like something an idiot
2: guard would say, and that sounds like something that would actually happen, so yes. Yeah, but I'm like, you find an
1: underage kid, and he's like, well, my girlfriend's over there, and she's in trouble, and, well, the guard's probably like, this kid's just trying to buy time so he can- He should have said, she's
2: underage, too. She's a minor.
0: Yeah, why didn't he say that? God damn it, Charlie. The thing is, too, with the original, the way that they got split up was because Jerry killed one of the bouncers. And that's why Charlie and Amy get split up here. It's because someone's throwing t-shirts into the crowd. I'm like, do you not know how to keep a grip on a hand? I've been, like, serpentining through a crowd with my friends before we're holding hands. At no point, no matter what anyone was throwing, whatever anyone was doing in the crowd, did we break apart. Yeah. Do we just have better grips on things as girls? Do you guys just not have a good grip? I mean, you guys use your hands for certain things enough. If they had wandered into a mosh
2: pit, I could understand. But, they but didn't. It,
0: was, it was like it was free T-shirt. So I'm just like, I don't they needed to get it there. But I'm like, he could have just killed the bouncers, too, just for the walls.
2: <laughs> so one thing I want to add is that I read the script to this, too, and it's pretty much identical to what was on the film, except for the last scene. They get tickets to Peter Vincent's show and Peter Vincent and Charlie's mom end up hooking up. That would have been hot. I wanted that.
1: I actually could get behind that, I, Yeah. especially if they wanted to set up as like a sequel type thing. It kind of gives them an excuse
0: to keep the
2: two together. Well, something. it also brings both their arcs to an end, you know? Yeah. I would
0: have been okay with that. I'm not going to lie to you.
2: I, I don't see how it would work in the car. Co- I don't care. <laughs> I want that to happen. Well, I mean, it's not that they're hooked up, hooked up. It's just when they're there and they meet for the first time, you know, they get a little flirty and walk off.
0: I'm huh. okay with that. I, that's all I needed. That's all I need.
2: Between those two played by those two actors, I would like to see it, too.
0: Well, especially because at one point, Amy basically said that his mom's hot. I'm like, she is. She is. Yeah. Tony, call She's hot. I don't think this is a and secret. And she's
1: British and has a really good American accent.
0: I thought she was Australian.
1: And? Or maybe you're right.
0: Uh, yeah. She was born in Sydney, New South Wales, Australia.
2: Yeah. Because I remember she had a few. Uh, yeah. Muriel's Wedding was her first big movie. And that was Australia. Ah, uh, JD doesn't know anything.
0: But your producer so you're gay.
2: It's not a comic book, so we we won't hold it against you. You
0: got right. your producer.
2: Sure. But you still haven't read the Fright Night comics, so we'll hold that against you. Oh.
0: Yeah, but they're really expensive, so we won't hold that against you.
2: Yeah, but you could have torrented them, so we'll hold that against you.
0: <laughs> yeah, but that and the creators don't get paid for it, so we won't hold that against you. Yeah,
2: but they've been out of print since the 80s, so we will hold these. Against- <laughs> also, the Frog Yeah, first. but
0: that really shouldn't be an excuse, so we won't
2: hold that against you. As long as you delete the torrents and buy new versions when they when they're reprinted. So we'll hold it against you.
0: Yeah, but what if they never get released and then you can never pay the creators the amount of money that they deserve? So we won't hold it against you. We can keep going like this all night, (laughs) Noel.
1: Ginger! (laughs) I did did like Ginger and uh, their relationship.
2: I didn't realize that that was Sofia Vergara's sister.
0: I looked that up because I'm just like, he looks and sounds like Sofia Vergara. And I'm just like, I gotta look it up because her name is Sandra Vergara. So I looked it up and I'm like, yep, she's Sofia Vergara's younger sister. Wow. And I just got, like, the dirtiest mental picture. Thank you, brain. My brain is awesome.
2: Yeah, I'm suddenly imagining a babysitter scenario with the two of them. Um, anyways. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that song over the end credits, I love 99. the original, right Night. And I love Hugo, and I love that
2: song, but I'm like, what does that have to do with the end credits of the movie? It doesn't really. I do like yeah. what they did with the end credits. with the. That looks re- cool. Yeah, that looked cool. But it was, an, it was a good song, but it was an odd it song. It doesn't to make sense here. why. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It was one of those ones where I'm like, yeah, it's a great song, but yeah. you could have picked something else to put over the end credits because this doesn't really fit here.
1: Right. I don't know. Get Weird Al to do a parody like 99 Vampires or something like that. But the Bitches they could have one. have
2: just gotten Johnny Cash.
1: Yeah, it's a bizarre choice. Any Johnny choice. Cash like- song
2: would work. Or it would have been actually fun, you know, if they're really fucking with Twilight with doing basically Jerry as a parody of Edward Cullen. Stick a Muse song on there they've kind of become the Twilight band. They played that up at one point, but they've kind of... They've extended past that, but I mean, well, it was because they're Stephanie Meyer's favorite band, so then she suddenly, like, showed out a ton of money to get them on the soundtracks.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: apparently That would have actually been funny, is playing a Muse song, just to fuck with the Twilight crowd even more.
0: <laughs> Maybe they didn't have enough money in the budget, because it was only $30 million for budget. And it yeah. is. It-
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I understand it like not doing like gangbusters, but I'm really really surprised that this movie flopped. I think part of it- I am too. I think it had bad advertising. For one thing, like a lot of them didn't feature David Tennant at all. And he's got a major fangirl fan base.
2: I don't know because this one, well, the original trailer didn't, but then they really started playing him up. And what I like, this actually had a lot of buzz. There were a lot of people who were like, that actually looks pretty interesting. And even fans of the original, I mean, my buddy Tony is just, huge huge, huge fan of the original. Even he was like, I got to say, this looks like it's going to be interesting. And it had some really good buzz. People liked the whole look of Colin Farrell and everything. People Mm -hmm. liked the idea of David Tennant. And it got some good early reviews and it came out and it did pretty decently at first, but then it just tanked. I blame part of it on, it was just a very frustrating film to watch because of the whole lighting issues and the 3D causing migraines and whatnot. Well, it
1: also Everything came out like, the- late no. August, which is right... You That's the
2: dumping
0: ground.
1: Dumping late ground, August,
2: yeah. If it had gotten like a Halloween... It should have been an October release,
0: yeah. Yeah,
1: it would have probably done a lot better. It seems really odd. I mean, I know Evie didn't recommend I will it. Honestly,
0: either. I didn't like it, but I saw this opening weekend. I went in, actually, it had actors that I liked. I was actually, like, pretty okay seeing it, because it's not like the original Fright Night was my super favoriteest movie ever. Yeah. But, so, it's like, going into this, it was a really disappointing movie. It was a lot of the stuff that I had problems with, I had problems with. And on top of that, the 3D gave me two migraines,
2: so. Oh, well, looking at it, in October of that year... They man, they really didn't have much in the way of Halloween movies. I mean, they had Paranormal Activity 3, but the big thing in the middle of October, they had the Footloose remake and the whole thing reboot. So maybe they were worried about sticking another remake in the middle of all that. Yeah. Which is stupid because they're completely different things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Different types of movies, basically.
2: And it's like the closer you get to Halloween, the only films coming out are like In Time, The Rum Diary, Johnny English 2, The Three Musketeers. It's like Stick Fright Night in there.
0: Well, I think the thing is, too, that they put Fright Night in August because August is a dumping ground, but it's still technically a summer movie at that point. If they put it in October, that's, again, one of those things where they're kind of dumping it.
2: If you wait until after August, then school starts and you significantly cut down your teenage audience because your teenagers you know, are busy during the day. Yeah. So that's why they still wanted to probably get it out earlier. But still, you know, that would have been, you know, the great Halloween date movie, you know? Yeah. yeah. it's Because it's, it's something that I think, you know, both men and women enjoy.
1: I mean, I know Evie didn't care for it, but I never heard, like, any really harsh reviews for it. So it seems like it should have made at least budget back, which, it, it, I mean, well, it, it, did.
2: Did, it did. I it don't did think it made
1: that worldwide, much. But it, worldwide is $41 million in it it yeah. cost 30 million.
2: I also blame the fact that watching it on the big screen was an unpleasant experience just because of a lot of the lighting issues and yeah. It's easier on the home setting.
1: Well, it wasn't awful, but I don't like seeing 3D movies.
2: It was for me. I literally couldn't tell what the fuck was going on in certain sequences.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was horrible for me sitting there in the theater. And that kind of
2: probably differs from theater to theater, too. But the fact that both me and Evie were having a similar... Yeah. And I remember catching in a lot of the reviews, both of the 3D and the 2D version, that they were talking about how the lighting was so poor. So it's obviously something that was more widespread. It's
1: it's something that was bad. I managed to get through it, but I don't blame people if they had issues with it.
2: And looking at that month, I'm assuming that most people weren't seeing The Human Centipede Part 2 instead. (laughs) because that and the thing in Paranormal Activity 3 are like the only horror movies that came out that October
0: well I don't know that was a bad October pretty terrifying or Julianne Hoff so and
2: Anonymous oh my god (laughs) but that was a bad year for horror movies and it would have been I think it would have helped it if they had slipped it in there
0: honestly if they had fixed up some of the problems too and on top of it maybe gone for a little bit more gore because I, if I see a horror movie about I don't me, know that I,
2: it needed more gore. No, because this is more of an action-y it's horror It's more of the visceral, just the, it's more of a thriller kind of yeah. comedic, tongue-in-cheek thriller.
0: Yeah, but uh, I mean, like, the thing is, if you see Bright Night, I mean,
2: this one was what, PG-13? No, this one was R because it had a, dr- a few F-bombs dropped and... Actually, no. Maybe this one was. Okay, PG-13. well then,
0: kids wouldn't. I don't see why they held it. They released it in August. If kids wouldn't have been able to see it anyway, because this that's... was rated R. Yes. Okay, so then it makes absolutely no sense why they released it in August unless they're complete idiots.
2: If they right. had made it PG thirteen, then they wouldn't have been able to do the scene where the teenager gives the guy beer.
0: Seriously, my God, your rating system is ridiculous.
1: <laughs> uh, we, the because that'll either. come
0: out and be R over in the states. It's like a adolescent
2: alcohol exchange... <laughs>
0: Yeah, no they'll get Which like
1: he a- didn't even drink any. He just He was giving him beer. It. Yeah, he was yeah. handing it over. That's it. You know, but To
0: an adult
2: who can drink beer. Dear God. <laughs> Alright, well we gotta wrap things up. So final thoughts on this right night? What's up, Colin Farrell? You're
0: hot, call me. Tony Collette, also hot, also call me. Hey guy. Uh, what's up? Hey hey guy. What's up?
2: David Tennant, uh, please call me.
0: I'd love that when I have a-
2: David Tennant's fake nipple rings. <laughs>
0: Only if you also wear the leather pants and then do that, like, weird crotch grabby thing he does at one point. (laughs) I love that that at the end, that's one of the title card things that they used was him, like, (laughs) grabbing at his crotch. Yes. It was awesome.
1: I I am such the big Doctor Who nerd. I go to a Doctor Who convention every year for the last two years and going again next year. And I just want to hang out with David Tennant and be like, hey, David Tennant, you're cool. We're friends forever, right?
0: And he'll be like, who are you? (laughs) Yeah. Get away from then, me! I'm then, doing
2: yeah. Hamlet.
1: <laughs> what are you doing in my house? Get out of here!
2: <laughs> well, your security kind of had its throat torn. And now. then I
1: then I, I, then I grab his socks and I run out the door and <laughs> I, as I'm That's sniffing
0: good.
2: them, just laugh out of me this episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So I like, it has problems. It has some issues that I, I wish that they hadn't done. But God damn, I have a lot of fun watching this movie. And there's a lot of sequences that just really draw me in. And I love a lot of the clever bits. I love a lot of dialogue characters. I love the actors. Yeah. I genuinely like this movie.
1: I do too. It seems like a lot of ways a lot of the inverse of the original film. It's a lot more clever where the original the original was
2: more over the top, and this is more nuanced.
1: Yeah, it's a little bit wittier. It's a little bit more character driven, but it misses a little bit of some of the uh, more slapstick. And the effects are you know a little the CGI. I don't. I want to say that
2: you know the CGI effects and the rubber puppet effects. Neither one of them are fully convincing, but neither one is particularly worse in their own way than the other was.
1: Like I said, it's kind of a weird, bizarro world version of the original Fright Night. It is,
2: yeah. And that's what I like about it being a remake, is it's a reinterpretation.
1: Exactly. That's, like I said, the reason I like remakes is when they do something new and different, and it's still true to the original in spirit, but it's kind of...
2: It's its own thing, too.
1: Yeah, it finds its own voice and does it well, so...
2: So, final question. If you had to pick between one of these two films to watch once a year, every year, for the rest of your life... Which would you choose? Evie? Do I really
0: have to go first?
2: Oh, no, Okay. first. first. Went
0: first. <laughs> no. Evie. Me. Man. I'm going to go ahead and blow your mind with this one. I'd pick the remake because as uh? much as... I know, right? Because talking with you guys about it, I realized that as much of the problems as I have with this movie... If I just shut it off after he blows up the house, it's fine. I'll just make up my own ending, and that's all I need. Once he blows up the house, that's where all the problems really start to add up for me. So really, I go with the remake because I know at least I'll watch it more times and probably just start channel surfing after he goes all, i am going to blow up your house and get in that way. Whereas the original, I mean, it's good, but really I just want that comedy with Amanda Bierce and Stephen Joffrey where they just, I, did I say his name wrong? Is it Stephen Jeffries? Stephen, Stephen Jeffries, thank you. With Amanda Biers and Stephen Jeffries, and they just are like friends, and they hang out, and are awesome. And she like, I want the comedy, but I'm not going to get that. So I- I'd rather just watch something that I like some of at least, as opposed to the majority of it is okay, but it's nothing special. Okay,
1: JD. I'm going to have to go with the remake. You can tell a lot more thought was put into this and a lot more polish. It definitely has its flaws. It definitely could have used maybe another pass on the script, but it's pretty minor. Everything that I could complain about, it's still an enjoyable film. It's something that I've watched it probably half a dozen times now between when I originally saw it and when I got on Blu-ray. And I've enjoyed it every time. It's I definitely recommend the remake more.
2: I went into this project expecting to prefer the original. I had seen both already. I liked both, but I I went in thinking I was going to prefer the original. But having gone through them again, and even just discussing them again in detail, I'm picking the remake as well. I really do like the original. I think it's one of the great 80s horror comedies. I think it's right up there with American Werewolf in London and some of the other great ones of the 80s, Killer Clowns from Outer Space and whatnot. But while I think it's superior to the remake in terms of its core story, in terms of the core layout, underpinnings of its story, overall the remake is just so much richer with so many just odd little thoughtful unexpected nuances and taking things into, un- into different directions and just really unique choices in terms of how it chooses to portray things in the performances and the execution. And while I had a few narrative nitpicks, I had a few narrative nitpicks with the original two. And while I still have that problem with just how goddamn dim a lot of it is shot, I genuinely have a lot more fun watching the remake than I do the original. And my buddy Tony's probably going to come over and kick me in the knee for it. Yeah. <laughs> and he listens to every one of these. So I'm yeah, locking my be- door. I'm not letting you in, Tony. Don't you dare <laughs> blow yeah, up my gas. Don't
0: invite him in. Well, considering how much I, like, all the problems
2: I had with it, you don't think that Tony's going to, like, try to completely destroy the condo I live in? He'll probably listen to it and be like, eh, all right, you got a point. But I still like it.
1: <laughs> I think that's entirely fair, so.
2: Well, one other thing I wanted to cover before I bring things to a close is I got my hands on a 10-page outline for an attempt at the Fright Night remake from 2009 by the makers of My Bloody Valentine 3D, Todd Farmer and Patrick Lussier.
0: I don't want to live anymore.
2: God. And.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's just so bad. I haven't even heard it. And I know it's bad.
2: The studio didn't buy it. Thank God. And I, I know why. The outline it's essentially the original film. Basically structured out, almost identical to the original film. The whole uh evil ed thing, Amy and Charlie's relationship gradually discovering the vampire. Billy is even in it, and every page has at least three, oh, the gay couple who lives next door jokes.
0: Uh, in Todd funny,
2: Farmer's wonderful sense of humor comedic
0: way. Fashion.
2: His subtlety of shining a spotlight on it and throwing sledgehammers in its direction.
0: And then setting off like fireworks with sparklers attached.
2: Now, here's his idea, though, is he was going to have Fright Night be a series of 60s and 70s horror movies that starred Roddy McDowell, and it would actually use reuse the same footage from the original movie. And what happened then, though, is that it was remade in the 80s as a completely different reboot series. And, and this is, Todd Farmer literally says, a remake within a remake because we're all meta and shit.
1: Oh. <laughs>
0: Oh my god. I just want to punch him in the nads so much for that.
1: The idea almost had merit and right to the point where he basically patted himself on the back, and right. then I just wanted to kick him in the nuts.
2: The remake, the 80s series of remakes starred Jamie Lee Curtis, and Jamie Lee Curtis is a main character in this treatment. I'm assuming that yeah, he would have rewritten Yeah, I don't think it. that know. No. Jamie Lee Curtis would have come on board. Jamie Lee Curtis and Evie are our friend, the star from The Fog, Tom Atkins. I think Tom Atkins would be too good for that movie. Right, where it was basically the two of them played, like she was the Peter Vincent character and Tom Atkins was her sidekick who gets killed in every movie but always mysteriously comes back for the next one. Otherwise, the film plays out like the original, but instead of there being a Fright Night TV show, Charlie goes to a horror convention that's happening nearby and goes up to and confronts these two. It's literally Jamie Lee Curtis is bought by $500 when Amy and Ed go to confront her a second time. And so then the whole confrontation happens near the end where Jamie Lee Curtis and Tom Atkins and Tom Atkins gets killed and turns into a vampire, but still manages to save her life and whatnot. The only bit that I liked was that in the end, Amy fully turns and ends up saving Jerry and they get away and they don't get killed right away. And the sun comes up and they're like, but there's only one other place where Amy would have had permission to enter or she wouldn't have had to be invited in and so cut to inside the home of amy as jamie lee curtis finds her in the freezer because she doesn't have a coffin cut to jerry inside his coffin as it suddenly starts jostling around it's as thung as it hits the ground and we realize that the coffin had been in the back of amy's station wagon and charlie has driven the coffin out into the middle of the desert where there's no shade and he just starts hacking at it with an axe I don't know if I like that. I
0: feel like that's a better ending for a different movie. Yeah. I like
2: yeah. the visual of it, but it doesn't really tie into things all that well. Well, and there's really like no conflict in, in that. Dark. And when they kill Jerry, it not only turns Amy back human, but it also turns Tom Adkins back human, despite the fact uh, that he still has a stake sticking out of his chest. They just kind of shrug that off as a joke because he's he's Tom Atkins. He's had worse. I,
0: see, I like I I I, I put. And because he
2: couldn't get Tom Atkins into this, that's why they, Lucier and Farmer got Tom Atkins into My Bloody Valentine 3D, because apparently they're huge, like Tom Atkins fanboys.
0: Yeah, that's great. They didn't actually do him any favors by putting him in there because his character was useless.
2: Yeah, let's remember that embarrassing shot of him with the pickaxe hooked in his jaw.
0: Yeah, poking (laughs) it at the audience because it's in 3D. 3D. That's how you have to say it. That makes it classy.
2: While moving your hands in and out 3D. So
1: I'm going to say something like a lot of Buffy fans probably don't hear, but thank you, Marty Noxon.
2: Yes, this is so much better than what it could have been. Thanks There's, for I not mean, making
0: this rape scene like the one with Spike and Buffy. Yeah, I'll
2: give her that. <laughs> well, this one, they actually did slip in at full-on sex scenes. And as I said, they took that whole the next-door-neighbors-must-be-gay joke and ran with it like crazy. Which you said, this is
1: just a few pages outline, which, you know... It's a 10-page outline, yeah. yeah. which you imagine that by the time they actually had to write, like, you know, a 100-page script or whatever.
2: Knowing Todd Farmer and how his Jason X script, half of that script was, ha-ha, that guy fucks robots. Yeah, yeah. (laughs)
0: Yeah, you actually went and reread the script and were like, I don't
2: like it as much as I used to. No. (laughs) My Bloody Valentine made me realize how bad it was.
0: (laughs) He went and reread it after my bloody valentine was like, I don't like it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he was so sad.
2: Sad and old. And then I also read the unproduced Ghost Rider 2 by Todd Farmer and Patrick Lucier.
0: Yeah, this is the one time where I'm like, you know what? Dean and Taylor was the good idea. That, that was a good way to go.
2: And now I need to read the unproduced Cowboys and Aliens written by Todd Farmer, which I have. Oh my God. And unlike Ghost Rider and Fright Night, that's not an outline. That's a full script. Hmm. I'm really glad. Oh, it couldn't have been any worse than the shit that they filmed.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, the the movie that came out wasn't really all At that At least with Todd Farmer,
2: it would have been fun. This one, it was just dull. Yeah. Yes, because... Because sad. Damon Lindelof is such a better writer than Todd Farmer.
0: No, they both <sighs> suck. They both suck equally, except that one gets far more acclaim.
2: Yeah.
1: I don't mind Lindelof as much, but well, I, I, I admit I'm a little weird. I hate
2: you forever. So, anyways, this film could have been made by Todd Farmer. Anyways... Oh. So, I mean,
0: I guess we lucked out on that. So, I okay, yes, thank you, Marnie Noxon. You are
2: not Todd Farmer. <laughs> well done. And I think that'll finally bring this episode to a close. Anybody else have anything else they want to add before we say farewell to Fright Night?
0: For real? <laughs> <laughs> okay, they both had it, but the original had it better. The line was better in the original.
2: Yeah. I'll give you, yeah, he gave that nice theatrical flourish to it. But Colin Farrell, what's up? I almost want to call him Colin Colin.
0: <laughs> I need to send you the mp3 I have of him singing I Fought the Law and the Law 1. He has it with his Irish accent, so it's I Fought the Law and the Law 1. It's so funny.
2: I want to see someone do a remix on YouTube of just Hey Guy. Hey Guy. If someone can make an entire song out of they're taking the hobbits to Isengard, you know?
0: Yeah.
2: Well, <laughs> Why someone not? made an
0: entire song
2: of Taters Precious. So yeah. Someone get on that YouTube. Yeah. Someone do it, people. Okay, so that brings Fright Night to a close. Thank you for joining us, JD. Thank you. Sorry we had to reschedule the first time. Uh, that was entirely my fault. No. no, it was your internet
1: provider's fault. I was gonna TikTok. say, unless you didn't pay your internet bill, I don't think you can be blamed for that one.
0: Well, You'd- no, I paid it.
2: <laughs> I was gonna say, you, I'm like, you do pay wait a second. <laughs> pay for internet? What? What do you think that says? The comic book market? <laughs> <laughs> wait, you have to pay for the internet?
0: Oh, well, that makes sense.
2: Alright, good night, Evie. Good night. Alright, we're done.
0: <laughs> Yay.
2: If you haven't got problems, I feel bad for your son. I got 99 problems and a bitch
1: ain't one.
2: I Hate Love Remakes is in no way affiliated with the copyright holders of the films discussed. All rights are reserved and no infringement is intended. I Hate Love Remakes is a Made of Fail production. madeoffail.net. We were unpopular before it was cool.
0: And Jane comes in, and she's just like, "I love the look. It's so dark shadows." And I'm like, "It's funny because Tim Burton made a horrible movie called that." <laughs> not at uh, that
1: point, yeah. Tim yeah, not that. Yeah.
0: But in retrospect,
2: it's funny.
1: Yeah, I did think of that too when I started watching it for this podcast. So yeah,
2: I've actually been watching the original Dark Shadows. So seventy care. episodes in, only like eleven hundred left to go. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> How awesome was Did that you so start at
1: the exactly very at beginning eight, before they had the vampires? I started
2: at the very, very beginning, so I haven't even gotten to the vampires yet. Oh, wow. That doesn't happen until episode 211. <laughs> I, knew, I
1: knew it took it a while, but I didn't realize it was that long. And that
2: was only the first year, 211, because it was a daily show. That's right. It ran five episodes a week. I forgot but not that. the daily show. No, not, not the not daily, a daily show, show. no. Because John Oliver would totally be a vampire.
1: He would, and it would be awesome. would be an awesome vampire.
2: He would suck in a good way. <laughs> he always sucks in a good way. I mean what I so back to the movie <laughs> hey guy <laughs> hey guy
1: welcome back to fright night For real no not really
2: i am disappointed welcome to fright night on ice
0: i would so go see that like <laughs> opening day i would go broke watching that show